Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast show. Today we're joined with Peter Benedicto. How you doing, Peter? I'm doing really good, Todd. How are you doing? Doing awesome, man. You know how I'm doing, dude. Yeah, we got a special special story to share today with you listeners. Uh, where are you calling from, Peter? So I'm calling from Henderson, Nevada. Awesome. Amazing. What a coinkinink. How about that? <laughs> how about it? And actually, I want to preface this show a little bit differently than I would normally. And I want to say that Peter is someone that I was very proud and very grateful to meet over YouTube. Peter has a channel that we'll be promoting at the end of this episode, and uh, he helps people to relocate to the Las Vegas area, and he did that for me. So uh, today's kind of special because I'm sitting in my new home that Peter acquired for me, and it's really great. So we're going to get to know Peter today and find out a little bit more about him and find out how he can help other people that might want to move to the area. So Peter, I really appreciate what you've done, and uh, we'll get to that story. But, um, boy, this is really neat. This is my first Las Vegas interview. <laughs> can I still call it? Can I still call it Vegas, or is that cheating? Yeah, you can still call it Vegas. I mean, some people don't distinguish between Vegas and Henderson, so you can still call it Vegas. Right, right, right. It's amazing. I can't even. I still can't believe I'm here. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> It's great, dude. Uh, but we'll get to that. So let's start with you, Peter. Um, where were you born? So obviously, I'm, I don't know if my accent gives that away, but I'm not from the U.S. originally. I'm from England in the United Kingdom. So I was Absolutely. born in Birmingham, which is the second largest city over there. Um, and yeah, that was where I, I, I grew up and spent the first 18 years of my, of my life. Wow, that's cool. And both your parents, are they still together? Uh, so my mom died when I was seven. Um, oh. And then my birth father was not not the nicest of, uh, of people. And, and I know you know how families can be. Um, so I do. Actually, I went into foster care when I was 12. Um, and that's all I class as my parents now. So if, we, if we're talking about who I believe in my parents, then yeah, they are both still together and a big part of my life. That's awesome. Um, well, tell me a little bit about um, your early childhood memory. Like what kind of memories do you have in the earliest part of your, your life? Um, it's hard actually, because you know, a lot of my memories are all from probably about 
I don't know, a lot of good memories are probably from about 12 plus when I went into foster care. And sometimes there's a stigma about foster care, but I think that completely changed me. But I'll get onto that in a, in a little bit. But, you know, some of the earliest memories I remember about my mum before she died was the cat that we had at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little black cat called Sutty used to always just be on her lap, constantly just on her lap. And um, I remember the day I came home from school and my neighbor told me that my mom had passed away. And I think, my, if I remember correctly, my first words were, you know, when will she be back? Because I had no grasp of the situation. But what I also remember was that day the cat went missing and never came back after that, which looking back is um, quite ironic. And then, as I said, I remember my, my birth father was just not a nice person. He was an alcoholic. He used to come home, and um, after my mum died, he had just come home and just uh, physically abused me and my brother. My brother had cerebral palsy, so he couldn't even oh, defend himself. Um, and, yeah, that was my, my life for a little while. And uh, you go through that stage of blaming yourself and wondering you know, what it is that um, you're doing, because obviously all you want is the love and affection of your parents. Um, my outlet at the time was playing soccer or what I would have called football. Um, mm-hmm. And I used to use that as a, as a way to let everything out. And luckily, one of my best friends, who's still one of my best friends now from the UK, Mark, he knew something was up because he could see the bruises on me. And I tried to make an excuse that it was um, it was from football. Uh, but he was having none of it. Invited me to his house for dinner. And his mum, uh, his mum, bless her, she, she's passed away now, but she was uh, an amazing woman. And so was the, his father. They mm-hmm. took me in for a few months. And um, mm-hmm. uh, then they were like, well, you know, we're not going to let you go back to that situation. And good. Uh, the rest good. Is, uh, is a positive history from there. Do you, are you a man of faith? Yeah, I am. I, I grew up Catholic. Um, and then... And um, probably in my in my mid, probably my early thirties, I sort of um, I, I knew there was more, and I I felt that everything I'd read in the Bible was um, sort of almost in my mind a contradiction to how I was uh, being taught it in Catholic school and all these barriers and things that you had to do to mm-hmm. um, get to Jesus. Um, I used to speak to Jesus a lot um, and ask for things in terms of um, you mm-hmm. know just giving me the strength and everything to, to get on yes. with things. Um, yes. And then I, I um, yeah, then I, I became born again and found Jesus um, probably in my, in my early thirties when I was probably drinking a bit too much alcohol myself. And then, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Just put the, put the bottle down and that was it. Wow, man. That's powerful. That's really cool. Yeah. I I'm a Christian as well. And well, Christian Catholic, I don't know. It's all the same in a way. We just interpret things differently. I think. Completely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's no reason to have divisiveness. It's like, man, as long as you've got faith, like more power to you, brother. As long as you got it, you know. No, that's, that's all that matters is having faith. I, I think so. I think so. It really carries you through the tough times. I'll tell you, I've been through some dark things, and you know, now this is the new beginning of my new life. And you know, I really have you to thank for helping to make this a reality, man. Like, wow, oh, man. overwhelming, dude. Like. Seriously, now I got to buy a lot of furniture. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but that's okay. I, I don't mind. Big house to fill. Oh yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so I, I realized that it's kind of um, a time. 
maybe you blocked it out, but I'm just curious. And the reason I'm asking is because you'd mentioned that you'd been a victim of abuse and living with an alcoholic father. I mean, my dad was an alcoholic, but he was a fun alcoholic. <laughs> like he would never, he, would, he was a really great guy to hang out with and talk with. And he was really neat, you know, just a fun guy and everything. But he was a jazz musician back in the 50s and 60s and all that. So it's like, that's how he got his identity, I guess. And, you know, it's like, he's just one of those cool guys that just gets really hammered, but, uh, you know, he's really cool about it. So it's all good, you know? Um, so I don't know what it's like, but I did go to an ACOA group for a year, um, because I realized that there was something there and I needed to find out what it was. So adult children of alcoholics. And I learned a lot from that experience. And I was just wondering for anybody else that might be suffering similar experiences or even the abuser, you know, what would you say from your earliest memories in that dark time that, could make a difference for somebody. What did you learn? What did you see? You know, where was it that you realized things weren't quite right and you wanted something different? However, you'd like to express that. I mean, if I look back at it, I think it changed when my mum died. And I think he turned to the battle when, uh, when she passed. And that was probably his way of grieving. And some of it might be to do with his childhood and you know, the way he was brought up wasn't to be open about talking about things. I mean, if he would have sat down and talked to me and explained things, then, you know, maybe the situation wouldn't have got as bad. Um, but I don't know, you know, looking back at the, the, the whole situation, it was obviously a, a heartbreaking thing for any child to go through. And mm-hmm. um, at that age, I don't think at any age, no one should go through. Well, certainly not as a defenseless child, but it also used to break my heart seeing him uh, physically abused my brother who was 10 years older than me but had cerebral palsy and as I said you know couldn't even at least I could lift up my arms and, and block what was coming my way um, and you know for a lot of a lot of years afterwards I had a lot of rage towards him for, for mm-hmm. ruining my childhood and even though I'm thankful for how my life turned when I went into foster care I had a lot of rage um, I remember I wanted to go back when I was in my 20s and, and repay what he did to me but then um, I was thankfully talked out of it by those closest to me. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I've let it all go now. I don't hold... Uh, for me, he's nobody. He's not someone who has any control on my life. He's actually passed away uh, himself, and I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, I, there was a lot of confusion. Uh, as a child, as an 8, 9, 10-year-old child, there was a lot of confusion. And, you know, he used to counteract it. He used to, you know, under, so he was like that in terms of um, the physical side and, you know, abusing me that way and my brother. But then he would just throw money like there was no business. So just uh, anything I wanted, he would just buy. Like money had no value. And I guess that was his guilt in terms of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he knows it was wrong. Um, and from my side, there's just a lot of confusion because one minute he's buying me the latest Nintendo games console and then the next minute he's coming home um, completely drunk, smiling of alcohol and just hitting me or my brother for no reason. Oh, man, I'm so sorry, Peter. That's awful, man. Yeah, there's no excuse. No, it is no awful, excuse. but, you know, I'm, I I don't let that define me or I don't, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, one thing I always wanted to be myself was a, as a parent and a father, and I, I wanted to, you know, you can go two ways. You can you can use what happened to you as an excuse and not break that chain and use that to then carry on the cycle, or you can break that chain. And I think with 
God's help, I definitely broke that chain. And then that's enabled me to be a, an amazing father to, to my kids. And, you know, they test my patience at times, five little ones. But, um, you know, I, I don't show them anything but, but love and affection. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly. You want to provide the thing that you didn't receive. Definitely. Right? That yeah. is it. That is exactly how I, I said it to my wife. Beautiful, dude. And that's a really great gift, man. What a wonderful way to carry on a legacy. You know, that's a legacy, man. Those five little legacies. Definitely. <laughs> um, so tell me Absolutely. about your tell me about your mom before she passed. What's your earliest memory of your mother? I don't really have any memories of my mom. I remember um, as I said, the cat sitting in her in her lap a lot. The cat used to, the cat used to sit in her her lap and I remember the day that she died she gave me a, a pencil case with loads of new pencils in for school um mm-hmm. but other than that I don't have any memories and, and my birth dad was not the type of person to sit down and and reminisce and talk about her I mean I know if my wife was to, to pass and I you know pray to God she doesn't go anytime soon but if she was I'd make sure all of the kids knew exactly how much she loved them how much she did for them you know, yeah. I'd make sure they had stories and, and everything that, you know, they could have as a legacy and, and know exactly who their mother was. But I didn't get any of that from my father. Sometimes I'd go visiting my family in Ireland and they would tell me little stories like, you know, I was the apple of my mom's eye and she would have done everything for me. And she loved me the most as I was the youngest. And but I, 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 I didn't feel that. Um, uh, all I remember is, as I said, the cat sitting in her lap. I remember getting into a fight in elementary school because someone said something about my mom after she died and i got uh, sent home for school lunches for two weeks because of it um but that's that's the only memories that i have wow that's amazing no pictures no video no nothing really oh man that's crazy yeah i have memories as early as 18 months old like and not not a lot but a couple of them like i remember seeing my mom and you know, I can see the whole room and like hear her speak and everything still in my mind. And like my brother also and our big dog, we had a Great Dane. We li- I lived in Newport News, Virginia at the time. And we had this big ass dog. It was huge. And so I would ride around on it. It was so fun. Like I got to go riding <laughs> little baby, you know, I was only 18 months old when we left there. Uh, but yeah, I can remember, dude, like uh, several things from that. It's really weird. I wonder what... Um, makes things like that stick or if we just tune them out because of the pain that they might cause, you know? And that's what I think it is, Todd. I think some of it is just tuning out um, uh, because obviously it was such a traumatic period in general in my life. I think it's just my my mind's way of coping with it all. I mean, I don't uh, hide it. I acknowledge what happened and what I went through, but I think yeah. I block out a lot of the intricate memories because I don't want to, you know, keep on remembering i want to you know move forward i guess absolutely that is fantastic okay so um what about your brother where's your brother now he is obviously he's got cerebral palsy so he's in a care home in um in birmingham in the uk i don't really he was like a half brother he had a different father so we sort of lost contact yeah um down the years um but i know he's still still alive and still doing well um, he's a big yeah. elvis presley fan and <laughs> the reason he has cerebral palsy was um down to the hospital's mistake i think they starved him of oxygen for too long at birth and um oh. that then obviously ended up with cerebral palsy so he had a huge payout which thankfully 
my my father was alive at the time he uh he obviously would have tried to get his hands on it um but he my brother was able to go to graceland and visit alvis presley's um home and awesome. um, had a great time by all accounts uh um that for me you know knowing that he's happy and doing well that's that's all i need to know i do have um another older brother and older sister as well again uh half siblings they had a different father um Mm -hmm. who again i lost contact with and and you know some of that is because they i'm sure they knew what was going on they would have been adults at the time and Mm -hmm. you know they didn't step in to try and stop any of it Um, not just for me but for their own 100 percent brother who has cerebral palsy um so i've just drifted away and tried to you know associate myself with people that um have my interests at heart absolutely brother yeah i i concur and um definitely about that i agree completely that's the only way to be <laughs> yeah. definitely. Don't, don't waste your time with people who waste your energy man you know it's like no and a lot of people get caught up on family and family and family family's fantastic and you know some families are amazing but if your family aren't there to help raise you up and are bringing you down or or not you know helping you in whatever way even small things then you know is that really family you know family isn't blood family is uh, stronger than that and if you have a family that's uh, doing the opposite um, then it's just not worth it it's just too toxic yeah, dude. Toxic is the word, man. In my family, I had, uh, unfortunately, the loss of all of the great relatives, my aunts and uncles and my grandparents, like they're all passed, unfortunately. And I got stuck with the three most evil ones that were left. And my mother, my mother and my two brothers uh, literally kicked me out of the family when my grandmother died. And uh God only knows what they did, but it was an ugly, dark experience where I realized, like, the people I thought I was trusting and loved me, like, couldn't care less about me. And it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I'm sure that there was money involved, but, like, I don't know what it is that made all that happen, but it was it was a real loss, man. So, like, I see family and people, you know, as a similar interest, you know, and there's a saying in yeah. a book. There's a really nice writer. I, I really enjoy this author, Richard Bach. And uh, one of the things in his book, Illusions, is uh, a nice quote that says, the mark of your true family is not of blood. It's of love and respect and interest in each other's lives. And uh, Absolutely. You know, I believe that completely. And it's just really sad to see that people have such limited capacity for things like that. And it's really hard to understand, man. Like I, I feel you, dude. I do, man. In my own way, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it sucks, dude. So that's why you know you've got to be around good people. And you know, one of the things I'm really thankful for is getting to know you. And I know that we'll continue this friendship. Uh, this is a brand new thing, Absolutely. very different. Yeah, totally brand new. But uh, man, it's like you're the kind of person, a solid, you know, faith faithful person that's exactly what i would like to be associated with because where i came from uh ain't a lot of that going on buddy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, absolutely i'm you know i'm I'm happy to know you as well todd you're a great guy you've got such a great sense of humor i mean i could just listen to you (laughs) all day i came back I was telling my wife yesterday about when we met up yesterday, and I was, I was like laughing, relaying the stories to her. I mean, she must nice. have thought I was crazy, but you just—I I think you just got a great sense of humor and a great energy, and you're the type of person who's just easy to spend time with. 
Thank you, man. Thank you. One day I'll maybe do this on a stage here in Vegas. <laughs> I would love Why that. not? I would love. I would. I'd actually like to bring my music back, but we'll get to that later. That's another story. But yeah, I do have something in mind <laughs> that I, I would like to do here in Vegas that I think would fit really, really well. So we'll get to that later. That's probably not it. not the, best for this. The episode. only limitation is Utah. Exactly right, man. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so let's talk about the time that you were living with your foster parents. Um, they were the people that took you in, or was it after that? Uh, it was after that. So I was taken in by my friend, my best friend, uh, Mark. Um, his his mum and dad took me in, but obviously they had their own family. They couldn't keep me there indefinitely. So I think after two or three months, I think it was, I mean, living in their home, um, they contacted social services um, in Birmingham, which I guess is like the CPS here. Um, mm -hmm. And then they started the process of, uh, you know, gave me a social worker and go through everything and, started the process of me going into a foster home, which I was terrified at the time. You know, one of the things my, my birth father had, uh, had always said was how in foster care is like negative, 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 just all these negative things about being in, in care in general. And I know people do have um, horrible bad stories of uh, yeah. being in care, but, you know, if anyone was thinking of uh, fostering a child and, and, worried about it i'd say you don't understand the difference you can make on uh, someone's life um because my life changed completely for the better um i they pulled me away from the negative things the the negative people that i was hanging around with in my school they completely changed my focus in school um they yeah. filled me with so much love and affection um it was unbelievable I'd come nice. home disappointed that I'd got a B in school because that's how my birth father was. If I didn't get an A, he was cross. So I'd come home and tell them, you know, I'm sorry, I got a B. And they would celebrate getting a B. Um, and they, they really made me part of their family and um, did an awful lot for me. And, I, you know, I, I, I didn't leave on the best of terms as an 18-year-old because I was worried about the next step. But looking back, um, I certainly would have handled that situation a bit differently as well, but I'm thankful to God that they are still in my life. And, you know, I talk to them almost every day and they're, they're planning to come and visit Vegas pretty soon as well. Um, oh, really? It'd be lovely to have them here. Yeah. They're, awesome. they're looking to see the kids and see their grandchildren, meet my wife in person as they've only ever spoke virtually. Um, and hey, yeah, man. I, I can't. I, <laughs> no, go yeah. ahead. I got an idea. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say, I, was gonna say I, I can't thank them enough for the impact that they've had on my life. And uh, but anyone who spends any time talking to them, it just they are just two of the most genuine, down to earth people who just care. They've adopted two uh, two twins, uh, two twin girls, and I always remind uh, my foster mom like that that they the two girls are just so lucky to have them as parents that they don't realize. Um, how lucky they are and how blessed they are to have two parents like hey, them. Amen. Um, you know, if, I, if I can be half as good a parent as they are, then I'll be doing fantastic. I would like to propose an idea. Uh, why don't Why don't you ask them if they would be willing to be interviewed on my show, and we'll do a, we'll do an episode, and we'll talk about foster parenting and find out all about them and what they've done and how it works, and we'll talk about you and everything in between. Like, if that's a possibility, yeah, I would, I would love to do that. I think it's definitely a possibility um, because, you know, they're a great resource. And 
and you know, I, I know myself that when the kids grow older and we're a bit more empty nesters, me and my wife have already discussed it, and we're going to look at doing fostering because nice. although sometimes there's a stigma about it and about people that foster, uh, there's also that chance to change a kid's life um, for the better. Yeah, man. I was a big brother back in the 90s when I was in college, and it's actually something I think I'm going to do here once I get settled, and I'd really like to be a big brother again. I really enjoyed that. Um, no, I definitely do, because it makes such a huge, huge difference. Yeah, I, I think so. And especially these days with all the digital crap, like when I was a big brother, it was no technology. <laughs> I think I had a pager, dude. I had a pager, man. Wow. And you had to go to the, the payphone to use it, you know, to like call the number oh my back. Gosh. That's, that's, that's that's going back sometime. <laughs> Early nineties, yeah, man. It was uh <laughs> it was really different back then, you know. And these days kids have so much distraction and it's really crazy. It's really crazy. So um, when you first got settled in and accepted with your foster parents and you saw that there was acceptance and love where there used to be conflict and, let's say, rage, how did that make you feel? Um, I, I felt me, my, again, there was a little bit of confusion because in my mind, I'm like, these aren't my actual parents, but they are, you know, showing me more on that side than my actual parent did. So there was a period of confusion um, and you know, it all happened pretty quick because I moved just before, just before my birthday in November, I think it was. So it was like close to the holiday season. So I ended up meeting the whole extended family as well. I was like a rabbit in the headlights, um, wow. but everyone was just so nice. And I was like, this, this is what a family should feel like. I knew even then as I think I was 12 at that point, I was like, this is what a family should feel like. I just felt comfortable. I felt relaxed. I felt I could let my, let my guard down, although they will tell you that I've always had my barriers up. Um, and, and, you know, they look at the journey that I've been on in my adult life and can't believe uh, I'm more extroverted now as I was very introverted back then. But I felt internally that my barriers had come down and I was relaxed and I could just be myself. Um, and, and as I said, the love and affection, even little things like they wouldn't let me go to sleep without saying goodnight. And every morning I made sure I had breakfast and yeah. a drink ready before I went to school. And just yeah. little things like that is what I look back now. Um, I mean, you asked me my memories from, from childhood. Yeah. And all my memories are from, from foster care and all of those things that you take for granted and make, you know, making sure that I always had uh, my stuff ready for school teaching me life skills like how to do my own ironing how to do my own washing how to cook things that i used to hate when i was a teenager and i used to be thinking you know why am i doing this and my friends don't have to do this but now i'm so thankful that i have all these skills and life skills that i knew straight away when i was 18 that i could look after myself if i needed to um and then yeah apart from that the the love and affection um constantly getting hugs constantly getting kisses um from people that weren't even my parents uh, just making me feel valued yeah. and uh, and heard yeah man that's beautiful and in all fairness you know my family turned out awful but like my childhood actually is filled with very positive memories and i know my mom was probably tired of having babies i was the third and uh, she spaced us seven years apart so apparently she wasn't uh let's say very amorous, <laughs> but whatever, hey, more power to her. At least I was born, Definitely. but I didn't, I didn't ask for this, but like now that I'm here, uh, it was a really good childhood. She really, I don't know how she did it, man. 
breakfast, lunch, dinner every day and never missed a beat like and worked. And I mean, it's, I can't even imagine, man, like I'm thinking of getting a dog and that to me is a big responsibility, <laughs> right? Like that's it. A dog and a girlfriend. It's, it's a big and I'll step. be all set. Yeah. 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 We'll start with a human <laughs> and a canine. And I think I'll work my way up from there. Maybe get like a hamster after that. <laughs> uh, or if you have one a driver, you can always babysit mine and we can have a date night. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. And you I can't wait to be able to double date again. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm moving from oh, a place yes. where you can't meet a woman that has all her teeth to like uh, <laughs> 2, 2, 500,000 people to choose from. Oh yes. This is going to be great. There's all kinds of socialness all around here. I can feel it already. And all the neighbors are great. Um, we'll get to that though. I'm, I'm just, you know, itching to get to that point of it, but um, we're almost there. So oh, like, definitely. And just, just going back to my, um, just going back to my foster carers as well. Yes, you know, yes. They used to get paid, obviously, um, from the, the government, from social services for, for looking after me. But I know for a fact that uh, they spent so much more money on me than, than what they ever got back. It's, it's not like it would um, – because some people, obviously, it's a thing that they do, and that's what they do. They get paid for it, and, you know, that's what they – they see it as, but, uh, you know, the trips that they used to take me on, you know, my first trip to the States was with them to Orlando and um, the, the little vacations that we went on, even just random weekends away. Um, I was playing tennis for the county, um, which was the highest level you could play as a, as a schoolboy. And all of my coaching and all of the equipment used to cost a bomb and they never once uh, let me go without. Um, and all of the little experiences that I remember um, all filled me with, just a, a great feeling of my childhood. I just wish I was better at expressing it as a child because now I, I, yeah. I, I just tell them all the time. I've, I've always got verbal diarrhea when we're talking because I want them to really feel how thankful I am because my life yeah. would be completely different. And I've taken some of that into fatherhood as well. You know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate with my business that it's doing really well. Um, and a, you know, a big driver for me is making sure that the kids have similar experiences and we take them on little vacations and they get to experience different things and, um, hopefully then they'll take those memories into adulthood with them as well. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Pay it forward. Uh, but when you love somebody Definitely. as your own, that's, you know, that's, um, I mean, that is unconditional love, you know, and, yeah. uh, that, that only comes from a couple of places like people that are really close to you or God, you know, Jesus. Yeah, Absolutely. So, you know, for people to make that kind of commitment and sacrifice, it's such a beautiful sign of selflessness and sacrifice. I mean, that's really what we're supposed to do on this planet is help each other and support each other and enrich and try to uplift and help move people in the right direction, right? Like, I mean, I don't know, dude. I think it's great. That's a really cool thing. Um, and you're so blessed to have that. Uh, I'm, I just, you know, Wow. That's good to have a whole family, the unit too, like just to have them as a couple. What a great example. You know, it really makes a difference. It really does. It does. And, you know, the fact that they're still in my life, the fact that they still care about, you know, their grandchildren, they, you know, it just shows the type of people that they are because they could have easily just forgot about me at 18 as they wouldn't have got any money from social services and moved on to the, the next teenager. But, you know, the fact that they're still very active in my life and still a, a great resource. And even my, my wife, um, she has a great relationship with them. And, um, 
she she never had that she was married before she never had that with her in-laws before but uh, she has a great relationship you know my foster mom and my wife are talking all the time and have a real strong bond which is um really great to see um and as i said that just speaks volumes of the the character of of people that they are Um, absolutely if i can do half as well as them then I'll, i'll definitely would have done a good job with my kids and you know, one of the things I'd asked Jesus for really when I was talking to to Jesus a few times was, you know, I really want a family. I really want to feel it on the other side and be a parent and be a good parent. And I really wanted a big family. And, you know, I'm now blessed with uh, five kids. Yeah. Man, I think one or two would be enough for me, but I'd kind of like to meet a single mom. <laughs> I think a single mom would be okay, you know. Yeah. At least, I, at least I wouldn't have to go through the diaper phase. I, if I could dodge that bullet, I'll pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a pro at it now at this stage, dude. I don't know how you do it, man. I I remember I have to, um, to learn pretty fast. A long, 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 long time ago, there was this little tiny child. He was just a year old, I think, a year and a half old. His name was Sean, and this was a really long time ago when I was. Uh, a teenager, I guess. And, um, I used to babysit him, or at least I did a couple of times until one day, this little monster, I had to take the diaper off and it's like, Oh my God, this is awful. Like the smell was so bad. I went and got a clothespin and put it on my nose. And he starts, <laughs> the, the little baby starts gig- giggling at me. Cause I got the thing on my nose and I didn't think it was very funny. And, uh, then he pissed on me, the little monster and I couldn't oh believe gosh. it. Like he somehow aimed that little tiny thing, the little Vienna <laughs> sausage of his, and he pissed all over me, dude. I couldn't believe it. And I got out of the way. I was like, okay, this is the last time I'm ever babysitting a small baby ever. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. brilliant. That is hilarious. Yeah. I don't know, dude. They say that if it's your own, it's no big deal. You can smell a stinky and it's no you know, it's you can eat your hamburger still without vomiting, right? Uh, I don't know if that's true. I mean, uh, my, my babies, they, when she when she poops, they definitely don't smell the best. And sometimes yeah. we play rock paper scissors to see who's gonna who's gonna change her. That's great. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, sometimes it's the it's the best way. Cool. So tell me about your teenage years. Like, what was that like for you? Fantastic. You know, best time of my life. If I could relive any chapter in my life, I think I would relive my teenage years. Um, and then the only thing I would do differently is I'd, I'd, uh, if I had my my um, strength of personality that I have now, I'd be able to verbalize everything that I I would have felt. But I love my teenage years. I, I was fortunate enough to be with my foster cares. I had my great circle of friends that I still talk to from school. I was playing soccer and tennis regularly, which were my two, two favorite sports, which I used to love doing. Um, I was doing well in school. Um, I was going to see my soccer team. I used to have a season ticket, so I'd go and see my soccer team play every week as well. Um, life was good. You know, we went on some really good vacations. Um, it, it was just a really good time in my life, really, in my teenage years. That's awesome. Yeah, me too, man. I really enjoyed my teenage years. It was a lot of fun. It, it's always the age-old story, though, if we could only go back with the knowledge that we have now, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Wisdom I mean, is when, I, when I talk to my foster carers, when I talk to my foster carers, they, they tell me I was a typical strappy teenager and I'd like stomp up the stairs and I'd slam my door <laughs> and I'd, I'd, I'd argue about why I need to tidy my room before I go to the soccer game on a Saturday. 
um, which is probably true, but the bits I remember were, were fantastic. It was like really the best time of my life, and they were a huge part of it and the experiences that we had. Um, but as I said, I'd love to love to go back to my teenage years and um, and relive them, as you said, with the knowledge that, that I have now. Totally, man. What kind of music did you listen to? Name some bands that you liked when you were young. Did you listen to oh, a lot of back music? Then I was, yeah, back then um, I was real, real poppy music. I don't know why, maybe the romanticism in me, perhaps, but a lot of it was like Backstreet Boys, uh, Spice Girls, Boyzone. Did you have a swatch? Did you have a swatch watch? No, I never had a swatch watch. Yeah, that was I part never, of that whole scene. <laughs> no, cool. I skipped that. But um, yeah, that was the, and Robbie Williams, huge Robbie Williams fan. Um, obviously, he's cool. not so huge over here, but he's massive back home in the UK. Nice. Um, so yeah, they were my main main music influences as a as a youngster. Very cool, man. Very cool. And uh, when did you get into dating and girls and stuff like that? Um, I was actually having this conversation with my my ten year old the other day, actually on on the school room, because uh, he was talking. He's he's obviously a year away from going into middle school, and I was asking him how he's feeling. Does he feel nervous? Is he anxious? And you know, obviously, all those feelings are, are fine. But he can you know talk to me. He's like, no, just. The only thing I'm not happy about middle school is that you're expected to date in middle school. I was like, really? Who who told you that? It's like, it's just everybody. Everybody thinks you should date in middle school. Um, And then I was telling him about my first first girlfriend that I had, which I think was just on the cusp of either elementary. In in England, it's not separated into three. So it's like primary and secondary school. And you sort Mm -hmm. of end primary school at 11 and start uh, secondary school. Um, So I think it would have been around the age of around 10 or 11 where I had my first girlfriend in school. Her name was Sophie. And I was telling him the story of how we had our first kiss and he was grossed out about it. But I was like, uh-huh. no, it's no big deal. Like, I don't even talk to the girl anymore. Like, we, we went into separate schools and lost contact and, uh, you know, don't put too much pressure on, on that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, that's when I started dating. I also um, ended up seeing her her, her best friend as well. Uh, and yeah, carried it into high school. Had had a girl in high school called Martina. Uh huh. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, you're married now, so we probably shouldn't talk about your exes too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a few more exes that came after that, and a, a few, you know, I was engaged yeah. previously as well. Yeah, I know the story. Uh, and that didn't work out for one reason or another. Right and on, man. Again. Right on, right on. Hey, everything happens for a reason, man. Like you probably dodged yeah, a bullet. Definitely. You definitely ended up in the right I spot. I think so. Um, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, man. And then, uh, what's your fondest memory from your uh, teenage or high school years? Um, the one that always sticks out is going to Orlando and Disney World. Um, oh yeah. Just, just it was just the best time, the best two weeks ever. Um, mm. And look, when I look back at some of the photos, I look grumpy. But, um, you know, I came back after that trip. I came back and I was convinced I was going to move to Orlando um, and I was going to live near Disney World. Uh, <laughs> and that was going to be it. That's <laughs> um, awesome. And it actually, I got big into Disney after that as well. It was such a, a hugely, uh, it was, um, I think I was 16, 15, 16, just after doing my GCSEs. And my foster care surprised me. And it was like a reward for doing so well in school. Um 
flew over in in first class as well, which um, wasn't like first class now, as it was a long time ago, but it was still mm. a lot better than economy. Yeah, um, it was just a great great trip all round, and it was just so much fun. You know, there was no strict bedtimes. We were all up talking and uh, discussing just life in general. As I was you know getting closer to you know my late teens and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably one of my, my one of my best memories. Um, there's just so many more good memories that we'd have to do probably three or four podcasts. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, I was just yeah, looking at the timer. The one that sticks out. Yeah, we got a lot we could share. We'll definitely do another episode. I'm not opposed. Um, I love to have someone back whenever uh, that opportunity arises. Um, that is always welcome. Um, so let's move into your uh, adulthood a little bit. And how did you? find your way to where you are now. Tell me a little bit about the path that you took to get to where you are. You're in a really special spot. So tell me, I don't mean just Vegas, but I mean, you're married, you got the, everything's perfect, it seems. So I just want to know how you got there, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think perf, perfect exists. Um, well, it, I, looked, I think I'm gonna it, really... it sounds really good. You have a really solid family. You have love, you have family that uh, has been with you for many years, your foster parents. You have a lot of great things going on there, man. And then the career, and I'd say that you're doing all right. No, I'm doing well, and I feel definitely very blessed. I just don't know if I'd use the word perfect. I know. Um, I tend I to throw that around. Very... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, but I definitely feel very blessed and very, very lucky. And I know there's a lot of people out there that, um would uh, would would love to have the life that i have and as i said not just in vegas but you know being surrounded by so much love and you know business that's prospering and you know that business in turn giving me the freedom to spend more time with the kids and uh, being around them on a day-to-day basis so i definitely i definitely know i'm lucky and blessed and it's not something i ever take for for granted Absolutely. my wife definitely keeps my feet on the ground that's for sure so how so, did you um, I don't how know, did the journey. You, tell me how the journey looks yeah yeah, so obviously the journey, you know, we could, we could skip through a lot of the 20s because I know sure. we're short on time. And um, uh, before I met my wife, I was in a relationship and um, she decided to just, uh, she didn't discuss it with me. We were together, I think, three or four years, didn't discuss it with me, but decided to um, accept a job offer in uh, Saudi Arabia. What? Uh, from the UK. Um, wow. And she wanted to go and work there for a couple of years. Uh, obviously, it was better money. There was no tax or anything like that as well. And uh, didn't discuss it, just decided that that was it. Boom, it was done. Um, in fact, when she told her mom, her mom was like, why didn't you uh, try and talk her out of it, Peter? And I was like, well, I wasn't even part of the, the process. She had already signed all the papers before, um, before she told me. Uh, and for me, that was it. That was the end of that relationship. Um, yeah. Because I had a similar opportunity very early in the relationship to to move over to America. I was working as a as a retail manager at the Rainforest Cafe, and my general manager at the time told me I could um, come over here and and progress over here, um, and he could help facilitate that. But I turned it down because she said no. Um, uh, so then I knew the relationship was doomed. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I played the supporting boyfriend role up until when she left. But then after I knew she was settled where she was, I was like, you know, this just isn't going to work out. I can't do, ironically, I can't do long distance relationships, which is funny with what ended up happening. Uh-huh. Um, and so, um, yeah, when I went on to, you know, I made a, probably a few couple of bad choices in terms of um, career uh, wise around that time as well but then ended up going on a, a dating site 
uh, it was a Filipino dating site, actually, ironically. Uh, as my ex was from the Philippines originally, and, you know, they have a really good culture, you know, family-orientated. Um, so ended up going on to a, a dating site for mostly Filipinos, and she was on there, as well as a few of us that I was talking to at the time. But, you know, she made it clear at the time that she had no interest in relocating to the UK. I had no interest in relocating to the, in moving to the US, and certainly not to Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> as I never, I never even wanted to come here as a tourist. So we were both like, yeah, let's just talk as friends, you know, let's not um, have any pressure on it. Let's just talk as friends when we're both free. Um, but, you know, we're obviously both going to be talking and dating to, to others. And then, you know, things just pr- quickly progressed from there, actually. Um, hmm. You know, what became just talking our free time, we came to making time to talk and, um, my wife was quite guarded at the start. You know, I didn't meet the, the kids on, on our conversations until things got a bit serious. Um, so yeah, up until she was invested in the relationship, I didn't really meet the kids um, and get to talk to them. And it was just, mm-hmm. just natural. And I think without that pressure on, on dating and everything else that goes around it, it was actually, it just things just happened and mm. um, things just grew from there. And it was... Um, it was a really, really strange, quick process, but um, one that uh, I trusted my instincts on and, and my wife did too. And um, yeah, then we ended up us coming over for her birthday, um, which was in the February. Mm. And uh, Kirby Bryant had just had his um, unfortunate helicopter accident. accident yeah. And uh, we'd, we'd already planned to get married later in the year or the year after. We had no idea COVID was about to break out and happen. Um, yeah. And she's like, "Hey, why don't we? Why don't we just? Uh, why don't we just get married uh, now? Because you're going to be in Vegas. You know, it's what you do in Vegas. You get married. Yeah. And, uh, we don't know. We don't know what life's going to have. You know, we, it could be all taken away tomorrow. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, then we got married, and then ended up. We at that time the process was still trying to get my wife and stepkids over to the UK, but. The Nevada courts, um, rightly or wrongly, put a block to that because the the father of the kids, although at that time he wasn't the best of people, he's doing much better now. Um, At the time he wasn't in a good place. Um, The court still wouldn't allow the kids to relocate. So then we switched it up and I moved here. Um, And even that process was blessed from from above because it was a lot quicker and a lot smoother than a lot of other people have to relocate here. The whole process from application to green card was only three months during COVID as well so um it was lucky but um yeah then that led me to to here um you know i'm very lucky my wife is one of the most loving loving people i've I've ever met she just has so even though there's five kids and me she still just has endless amounts of love um she she's a hard worker she's a great role model for my daughters um and I, you know, I couldn't have picked a better, not just a better uh, a wife, but I couldn't have picked a better mother for my child, really. She's um, she's amazing. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And I'll bet she knows how to make vegetable lumpia. Uh, she knows how to make all, all of the Filipino goodies, apart from seasick. Oh, um, she definitely so knows good. how to make vegetable lumpia. Mm. She is... Uh, She's an amazing, amazing cook. That's um, awesome. And you know, one of the one of the things that when we first started talking, she's like, you know, what what is it you like about me? And forgetting the fact she was drop dead gorgeous and had the most yeah. amazing smile. 
I could tell inside her she just had this huge heart. And at that yeah. time, she was probably a little bit guarded because of what she had gone through with her ex-husband. Mm. But I could tell she had a huge heart and a, and a really good heart. Um, and as soon as her walls came down and she let me in, it was just like an outpouring of just so much love. And um, I've never had love and affection from a relationship like she gives me. I, yeah. she, always just, she just knows how to make me feel on top of the world. Yeah, man. What a beautiful thing. And and just a quick note, so you know, uh, it's not a problem for us to go a little bit late, so don't feel pressured or anything, but I want to get to the current stuff. And you definitely are somebody I want our listeners to benefit from. I want people to learn about what you can do for them. Um, so let me ask you this. With your wife, um, let me just ask you what it was about her that made you know that she was the one. Aside from those qualities and characteristics, what was the thing that really stood out the most that was like, man, this is the one that God has for me? Um, I think it was just a feeling. Uh, like we agreed to get married before we'd actually even physically met in person, but we'd already built such a strong bond virtually. And talking, you know, it's so easier to do it now compared to years before when there was no video calls. But, you know, talking um, so much on video calls every single day, I already felt that strong bond. But then when we met in person the first time when um, when I, I landed in the airport and she came to meet me and, and we actually physically held each other uh, for the first time, I, you know, I just had this bolt of electricity again yeah. I've, I've never had before it just felt amazing um, yeah man and and then i knew then i knew that this was definitely real um and nice. yeah when, when i got to spend time with her away from her being a parent i could see this is definitely the the, the woman that i want to be with she's really supportive and uh, she's really encouraging she's really nurturing um and yeah, she's just she's just an all round good person. You know, I can't. You know, you'll get to meet her at some stage, and Definitely. You know, probably downplaying her qualities, um, if anything. But um, I, I definitely feel very lucky. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, like I've always been attracted to Asian cultures myself, so I'm going to want that web address, Peter. <laughs> no worries. I could ask her if she has a few single friends as well. Oh my God. Oh Jesus. It just keeps getting better. You must be an angel. Oh man. Yeah, we won't even have time to talk about my story on this episode, but maybe another one. Um so let me ask you how you got into real estate. Where where is it? We want to talk about real estate because that's what you do. You help people get into their dream homes in the Las Vegas Henderson area. So how did you get into that? Um, so I always, I always, even when I was working in the UK and all my experience in the UK was in retail management as a store manager in a Disney store in Rainforest Cafe, Starbucks. I always knew then that I wanted more. I wanted to work for myself. I didn't want to, uh, you know, be clocking in and out. And no matter how many hours I work as a manager, which was never just a 40 hour week, it was always more. Um, I wanted to, whatever effort I pour in, I wanted that to you know, come back out and I wanted to have the freedom and, you know, life by design. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of traveling. I was fortunate to travel to a lot of European countries when I was living in the UK. And um, I, I still have still so many places on my box, my, my, my list um, that I want to tick off as well. Oh, yeah. But it's hard to do that when you're in a, in a steady job. Just out of curiosity, what what's the one if you had the world's going to end and you had one out of your list to pick? that you would do, what would it be? Where would you go? 
Uh, I'd love. Oh, it's hard to pick one, Todd. Uh, I know, I know, it is for me too. I don't Eber, need to travel, Eber, but I know how you feel. <laughs> either the uh, either the Maldives or Hawaii. Nice. You never been to Hawaii? Not yet. We are, we are uh, planning on it, um, but not yet. Um, you're gonna do a cruise or fly? Dubai. Just gonna fly. Um, cool. We definitely want to do a few cruises. Although my wife is terrified, she'll be seasick. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely want to do a, uh, a few cruises. But definitely, if I had to choose one, it'd be one of those two. But there's so many on my list that I want to go uh, and and explore and visit. And thankfully, my wife is on the same page in terms of traveling. And, right and that's what led me to doing, uh, wanting to do more. Um, I always felt that my my skills, my skill set would be geared and, and great to this industry and doing well in this industry. I, I think I'm good with people. I think I'm a very personable person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm like a chameleon sometimes I can adjust my, my Definitely. way of speaking to, to match the people that I'm talking to, to make them feel comfortable, um, Re- relatable. And yes. Yeah. Relatable. 100%. Um, and so then I, I started the process of, uh, becoming a real estate agent and my wife was very supportive because I was, when I first, first moved over here, I was. A store manager in Starbucks on a steady salary and a really good salary with really good benefits. Um, and she was obviously a bit concerned about taking that drop down in salary, but she put that to one side because she believed in me. And she, one of the qualities she's always admired about me is that I'm very ambitious and I, yeah. I don't set a bar. It's it, There's no ceiling. Um, so she always felt as well that I'd be successful, even if there was a, an adjustment period. Um I and yeah, no, it's just gone from strength, strength to strength from there. And, you know, it's been proven that it was the right decision. And the clients that I've worked with um, have all enjoyed the process and enjoyed getting to know me. And, you know, I, I treat all of my clients as friends and um, I have a great relationship with all of my clients. It's not just a, a business transaction. Not at all, dude. Honestly, I'm I'm a little shocked. Um, you know, I never really reach out to people on YouTube. I've done it a couple of times, but not very much. And they never get back to you, man. Like, I mean, there was one guy, um, Nick Johnson is a YouTube channel I really like. Have you ever seen his stuff? No, I haven't seen his actually. Uh, you'll like his. His episodes are all about different things. And he drives all over the country and you know, document stuff and talks about it, does research and all that. And he'll help you move anywhere in the country and you can pay him a fee. He's a really neat guy. I like him a lot. But I sent him an email and I never heard back from him, man. I was going to pay him to help me find a place to live. And then I met you. And I mean, it was a few months in between. But I'll just tell you that, like, uh, I ran across Peter on YouTube by mistake, by the divine force of destiny. Call it what you will. But whatever it was, it's like when I watched his videos and I heard his voice and just saw how he was, I felt a sense of authenticity that I really respected, quite honestly. That's what led me to want to contact you. And, you know, as a lot of people do, hey, send me an email, give me a call. I'll help you get moved to Las Vegas. And when I finally decided this was the place to go, I reached out to Peter and uh, sent him an email. And by golly, he got right back to me, man, like the same day. And it was amazing. And so over the course of what, two, three months now, um, you've been sending me properties. Yeah. You've been sending me property listings and, you know, we waited for the right one and it came up and bam, here we are. So, uh, I can just tell you this, that like I've had, 
experiences in real estate where I used to work with a high profile loan officer, lots of really wealthy clients and things that, you know, you have to really watch your words with people like that. And uh, it was a really difficult, stressful environment. And what Peter did is he gave me a sense of comfort and ease around the process of acquiring real estate that I could never have imagined. And it was really great. So I want people to know about Peter's YouTube channel. So now we should tell them where to find it and uh, how you can help people. Let's talk about what you like to do most and what your ideal customers look like and things like that. Or clients. Yeah, and no, obviously, um, you know, I, I love I love helping, especially, you know, I have a heart for anyone who's relocating, uh, relocating, and uh, first time home buyers because it's such a um, exciting period in their life as well. It's stressful and all the other um, emotions that you feel, but it's something that is a a huge decision. Um, and I, you know, I genuinely, although I get paid very well for what I do, I also take a lot of satisfaction on. Uh, helping those who who do need the help and the service and whether that's relocating and all the struggles of acquiring real real estate when you're out of state um or if it's uh, your first time home buying you've never gone through this process and you need someone to really hold your hand and uh, give you the attention um, but at the same time i don't turn i don't turn away any client really unless there was a you know a, a real clash in terms of personalities and um it was someone who was offensive to to me or my family I wouldn't really turn away any client at all. Um, and that's one of the beauties about my YouTube channel is it sort of brings in my ideal client naturally because this, as you've pointed out a few times, you know, since I've started doing the, the YouTube videos, there's so many more realtors now in Vegas that are doing it as well that people probably watch my videos and bounce off them and they're like, I'm not going to call this guy. He, his accent or his backdrop isn't the most professional because it's just... You know, oh no! See, I felt the op- I felt the opposite. Your accent is very charming. There's you ever watch you ever watch South Park? <laughs> yeah. All right. I think it was a South Park episode. There was, uh, I, or maybe it was Family Guy. I'm thinking one of the two. But either way, there was a a British guy, and he would say things in the most charming British accent. But it was always like I think Butters kept getting hurt or something. Maybe it was South Park. And uh, so you know, it, it would be like, okay, you got to jump off this bridge, and you know, it was like the way that he said it. It's like, oh, okay. It's like you know, okay. But in my opinion, your accent is actually quite redeeming and charming, and it's very comforting. To be honest with you, I'm not sure what it is, but that's what I felt about it. You know, I've always liked Brits. Well, you guys are fun. You know, <laughs> we are fun, and I appreciate it. And you know, it's humbling the feedback, the positive feedback that I I've had from uh, my videos, and not just clients that have reached out to me, but you know, people who have used my videos and then ended up buying a home in Vegas, and then they come up and tell me, "Oh, we recognize you from YouTube. You know, we watch your videos. They were super helpful." um you're amazing amazing content um you know all of that sort of feedback is so humbling because i never expected it when i first started doing the videos it was just you know i i a lot of it is from my experience and i just talk about my experience and i haven't grew up in vegas i haven't lived in vegas for multiple years it's my third year um and i just talk about this you know these things that i've noticed and um hopefully helping people along the way and but I also, as I said, I know people will just watch my videos and bounce off as well. And, and that's also completely fine because there's yeah. um, plenty of options out there um, mm-hmm. of other YouTubers to, you know, what's better is that you find a, a, a realtor that's going to, you know, you're going to have a good relationship with at the end of the day and someone you trust. And if that's not me, I'm not going to lose sleep over 
over the ones that don't want to work with me because I'm blessed with you know quite a lot of people reaching out to me. So um, I'm, I'm definitely very thankful for the support. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, honestly, what I've noticed about you is you're all service. You know, you're you're a servant. You know, you really do have an element of servitude about what you do that's unusual you know and some people really just um you know don't seem to care you can kind of sense it but with you it's very genuine and so you know i just want to say as somebody who's worked with you and uh anyone out there that's listening that's thinking of relocating to las vegas you want to talk to peter benedicto there is no question about it and let me ask you this what do you think is the greatest challenge uh for people that are thinking of relocating to this area I mean, if, if you don't have the, if you, if you, especially if you're living in uh, maybe one of the East Coast states and it's hard for you to, to come and visit, because obviously visiting as a tourist is completely different to, to living here. Um, I think one of the hardest challenges is knowing the neighborhoods that you, you want to, to move to, because you can do all the research on Google and, and you can read that Henderson is a safe city. You can read that Summerlin is a really prestigious area. But until you go and actually drive those neighborhoods and go through them, you're not going to know if it's going to be right for you because this Vegas is a really small area. It's 26 miles by 26 miles. It's such a small square, but there's so many different communities that all have a different feel. And that's one of the biggest challenges, especially if you're buying a home. If you buy a home in the wrong neighborhood, um, you're going to regret it and it's going to really impact your, uh, your journey. And one of the things I... I feel comfortable with is that if someone was to tell me things that they like and dislike, not just in a home, but in general, in lifestyle, I'd be able to more or less pinpoint the areas that they should move to and, and consider um, just based off that conversation. Very cool, man. Very cool. And what do you think is the greatest opportunity for people moving to this area? Um, I think Vegas itself is a huge opportunity. It's a city that's still growing. But I think if you look at, um, if you're looking to invest and you want a good return on your investment and you don't want to pay over value, I think if you looked in towards the, some of the communities in the north and northwest of Las Vegas and there's a lot of revitalization going on up there, I think that's a huge opportunity. Uh, and for someone who's maybe conscious of the costs involved, and that could be a way to alleviate some of that and get you on the property ladder within Vegas, and then you can you can build from there. Very cool, man. Very cool. What do you think is the most enjoyable part of living in this area? Um, for me, uh, I don't know. Um, restaurants? There's so many. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. There's the restaurants. There's so much great things to do outdoors, which I... I um, I never had that growing up in the UK because obviously we have so much great weather. Um, today we went for a walk and it was like really great weather. It was just perfect to go for a walk. And in the UK, it's unless it's summer, it's really hard to go and enjoy the outdoors. Um, there's so much entertainment. No matter what your form of entertainment is, you're never going to be bored. There's just always something to do. Um, you know, one minute you could be hiking a mountain and then later in the evening you could be going out for a meal on the strip. I mean, there's not many places in in, in the country that you can do that. Totally. Um, it's a great hub. If you like traveling, it's a great hub. The, the airport is so easy to get to no matter where you're living. That Then flying out of uh, Vegas Airport, which is one of the busiest in the country, is um, so easy to get to other places. I mean, mm-hmm. I, could, I could be here all day talking about uh, the positives of, of living here. And if you would have asked me three years ago, I would not have known any of these positives until I actually exactly. uh, moved. 
and um, and really really enjoy it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we'll have to maybe in another episode we can talk about what I've discovered as a new resident over a period of time because it's going to be a discovery process for me. You know, um, definitely just dry- it's a big change for you where, where you've come from. You know, you're going to notice some of those changes pretty quickly because you've come from a really quiet area where there's not much happening um, mm-hmm. to now an area where there's something happening twenty four seven. Oh, so yeah. you're definitely going to feel it. Oh, I already do, man. I've gotten food from places <laughs> that are like a mile down the road. I can't believe I could go to all. The, there's a Costco like nearby. Like, oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, this amazing. Is great. It is. It is amazing. And then, um, just to be balanced, what do you think is the negatives, or what do you think would be the worst part about living in this area, other than the traffic? Um, I don't even think the traffic's that bad. I think the traffic. Um, depending on where you're moving from, I think the traffic is very. I think when you've lived here a period of time, the traffic can get a bit annoying because you get spoiled in terms of actually, there's not really too much congestion. Uh, sometimes the weather can be a con, sometimes the summers can get for me, definitely can get sometimes a bit too hot. I, you know, I'm fair skinned, blue eyes from the UK, so I have to be very careful in the summertime. And you know, you've obviously watched a few of my videos, but on, on yeah. a few of my videos, I mentioned that. I, I got kidney stones in my first summer because I wasn't used to having to stay hydrated and it's dry heat. It's not humid. So I didn't That's feel right. as even sweating. Um, I think as well, there's sometimes a lack of community in uh, a lot of neighborhoods in Vegas. Uh, there's some great communities that really do feel like a good community, but then there's some that don't feel like a, a community where you don't really mingle with your neighbors Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well, some of the vices of Vegas and the temptations, if you're someone who battles with any type of um, addiction, I think then it might not be the, the place for you. I mean, I've known people that have moved out of the area because they had gambling um, addictions. They had alcoholism and it just wasn't a great area for them to live because it's just just too many temptations. If you are uh, if you're going to you know, be battling those demons, it might be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, man. Okay. And it's funny that you say that. It's not funny, but um, I had a friend, a really good friend. He was a drummer that I used to play with, and we were really, really close. And he was actually getting ready to move to San Diego to live with me again. We were roommates before up in Northern California. And uh, I went and saw him in Las Vegas. And uh, for the first first time in his life, man, he had a good job and a girlfriend and a car and like everything was going really well. And then two weeks later, I called uh, to see when he was ready to come for a visit, and he died of a speedball drug overdose. And uh, I was really, really shocked and sad by that. He he got the drugs on Fremont Street, and uh, so that was kind of that was a negative. But um, there is another guy to contrast that, just to give you an idea of how different things can be for some people. I did an interview a while back with a gentleman. And uh, he came from the Midwest because he was struggling with drugs and uh, he couldn't get off drugs until he saw his little child. And when he saw the child, it changed him and he wanted to get clean. And guess where he moved, man? Las Vegas. And he came here. He came here and got clean and made a really great success about about himself. I'll have to reach out to him. Actually, he'd be someone you'd really enjoy meeting. Very nice guy. But yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, what a weird story, right? Like what? <laughs> of all the places, no, definitely. But that's just you know, that's just a credit to his uh, his character and strength of character because it's definitely 
it's not easy with anyone battling those demons, but when you're living in a city where it's so readily available at any time of the day, yeah, it's even more of a challenge. You know, Absolutely. if you're living in a, a small city where you're battling those demons and you wake up at 2 a.m. and you, you feel like you need a fix of whatever it is, it's sometimes a bit more difficult to, 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 to get it. But here, you can just easily go and pick it up. Absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah, I won't have that problem. I still haven't even hit a slot machine yet, although I'm kind of tripping <laughs> out. I went to the 7-Eleven at 5 o'clock this morning to get coffee creamer, and it's like there was slot machines in there, and I'm like, wow. You know, it's still yeah. like a novelty, you know what I mean? But um, my time's coming, and I'm a lucky guy, too. I know that I'll win. There's no question, but just in moderation, <laughs> in moderation, you know. Definitely in moderation. I mean, we, we sometimes just put like $20 on here and there yeah. and that's it. And we walk away after that. Exactly. Yeah, that's my style too. And I uh, have to have a budget, you know, and stay within yeah. it. But yeah, it'll be fun to see. There's so many places to explore. Uh, but, you know, um, I think it's important for people to be able to find you. And I'd like to ask you if you could tell people where your YouTube channel is and a little bit about what they can find there. And I want to invite them to connect with you, of course, like I did. Yeah, definitely. So my, my YouTube channel is Living in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and there might be a couple that pop up. So my handle is uh, at Living in Las Vegas Info. Um, and then that should bring you to, to my channel. On the channel, I just speak, I don't really speak about real estate things. I just speak about living in Vegas and uh, what the cost of living is like, pros and cons of living here, um, things you need to know before you move here. Um, I talk about the neighborhoods and some of the different neighborhoods here. And just to try and give you you know, a bit more information from uh, someone who's living here and also gone through the process of relocation as well. Um, and then if you want more, more in-depth or bespoke information, you can always reach out to me and um, you know, my, my email is peter at living in Las Vegas info.com and you can you can shoot me an email anytime. And as Todd said, I'm you know I'm really quick to respond. I don't uh, just sit on things. I'll always get back to you guys as, as soon as I can. Um, because I think that's important. I think communication is very important. Um, and yeah, no, have a look at the channel. If if you like what you see and you have a good feeling, then definitely uh, reach out. And even if you don't like what you see, but the information's useful, then, you know, definitely watch it and consume it. And if there's anything I can do to help you in your process with, with moving to Vegas, I'd love the, the opportunity. And also, Todd, I just want to say as well, if anyone's, if anyone's listening to this podcast and they're considering getting into real estate and they're unsure um, about what to do, what they need to do, mm-hmm. um, what they're going to do to, to make their business successful, Mm-hmm. Um, they can also reach out to me on the same details and I'd love to try and help set them up for success and, cool. and That's how I can awesome. best uh, support them as well. Cause I can uh, definitely help anyone who's on the fence about maybe getting into the real estate business. It's mm-hmm. not an easy business by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a, a business where you can do really, really well. And at the same time, you can help a lot of people. Um, so if anyone is thinking about it or wants to know more about the process about becoming a real estate agent, especially in the US, then definitely again, Peter at living in Las Vegas info.com. And I'd, uh, I'd love to help you with that as well. Absolutely. That is great. And I can tell you firsthand. Yeah. Peter is one stand up guy. You can trust him with your keys. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, literally, exactly. That was the point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, Peter, I just have to say I'm really grateful to to you in ways that 
You'll just have to come to appreciate over time as we get to know each other. And this is a really special episode for me because you made this possible, man. And uh, I'm not sure what I would have found. I was looking in all the wrong places. And that was the point, man. It's like I didn't know what I was doing and I was aware of that. So I knew that I needed someone that knew more than I did. And that was you. And uh, just can't tell you how grateful I am. Anybody listening that's interested in this, you got to contact Peter, man. Like, if you don't like something in his videos, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Like, seriously, he's got the best information. And I I mean, nothing wrong with the other ones, but Peter's got the pros and cons, the yin and the yang, the balance, the in and the out, and everything about all of it. So definitely check out his channel. And I just want to thank you once again. And I appreciate, you know, your time and effort and everything you've done. And just uh, really feel blessed by you, man. Thank you. No, I, I appreciate the support. It's been a, a pleasure to get to know you on a, on a personal level and know more about your story and, and some of your challenges that you've overcome. And, you know, I've got a huge respect for, for some of the things you've had to get over. And Thank you. Um, it's a testament to, to your grandma, especially that you're, you're the person that you are now. And I, I think you are also an incredible person. I said to Thank you earlier... You. Before we started recording, but your sense of humor just just cracks me up. Uh, you just make me laugh so much. Um, That's great. You've got a really good energy about you. Thank you. Um, Thank it's you. a privilege to know you, Dad. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a great adventure, and I'm glad you're a part of it. You set the precedent for me for very positive things, and that's <laughs> that's a that's a gift you can't you can't buy that, you know. I no, just, definitely. Yeah, if you could, though, boy, we'd make a lot of money, man. <laughs> that would be awesome. So Peter Benedicto is the person that you want to contact for living in Las Vegas. That's where it's at. And boy, oh, boy, what an adventure if you're thinking about moving to this area. Um, I just got here yesterday. And uh, wow. So... Yes, definitely reach out to Peter. And Peter, I just want to thank you again for your time and energy. And I hope people will reach out to you through this episode. And I mean, who knows? Maybe you'll get some other Brits relocating from the UK. Yeah, you never you never know who could be listening. But, you know, aside from the, the promotion of my business, you know, also if anyone's gone through any of the things that I went through as a child and they want to speak to someone who has also gone through that as well, they can, they can also reach out to me, you know, and, and nice. discuss it with me if it can help them. Um, we've put in two and two together, um, um, or hopefully, you know, someone's listened to this and uh, if they have gone through some of the things that I've gone through, then know that you can turn it around and you can, you can still be super successful in whatever success looks like for you. Don't let those things define who you are because you have the power to do that. Yeah. And especially if you're alone, sometimes it's hard to see things straight when we're alone. And I know that from personal experience. So it's good yeah, to have a mentor or someone as a sounding board. And those are the kind of things that people need to talk about more because, you know, we have to come to grips with our trauma and recognize certain things and change them because those definitions that are burned in our brain don't belong there. They're unhealthy. So it's, it's good to have love, man. That's what it's about. Definitely, definitely, 100%. Absolutely. Well, I just want to thank you again, and I appreciate you being on the show today. This has been a real pleasure, and I definitely look forward to getting together again and talking in the future again together. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, it ran a bit long. I could talk to you all day, Todd. um, I know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do it again, absolutely. There's no question. (laughs) For sure. 
Right on, Peter. Thank you very much for being on the show. And everybody, Peter Benedicto in Las Vegas, Nevada. Right on. Uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on. My pleasure, man. I really appreciate you being here. Perfect. I look forward to it. Thanks, Right much. on, Peter. You Thank you. I will. You have a great night, Peter. You're welcome. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Hi, I'm Todd Murat, host of the Toddcast show. And I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.